God is good. Grab your Bible, Psalm 138, for a few minutes tonight. Psalm 138. It's eight verses. We're going to read the whole thing and uh, go through this tonight. I invite you, once you find it, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to invite you, if you would, these eight verses. Would you read all eight verses in unison together? We'll give everybody a minute to get there. All right, let's begin in verse number one. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me. That strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Father, we love you. And Lord, tonight as we come to your word, I pray that you'd give us, give our hearts, give our ears attention to heed and to hear all that you have for us. Help us, I pray, as the psalmist says, to praise you with our whole heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We find here in Psalm 138 a psalm of David. You can see it there in the title of the psalm under the number there in your Bible. It is a psalm of David. Now, we really don't know the context. Uh, We can surmise maybe a couple of different situations in David's life. Not really enough context here to tell us exactly what's going on. We don't really know the context, but church, regardless of the context, we can appreciate the content. Because there's a fullness here in this psalm and a fullness here in David's heart that I hope you can identify with. We look at the fact that God is gracious. The fact that God is great. The fact that God is good. And there is a gladness here and a compulsion here to praise the Lord with all we are. Look what he says in the first two verses. He says, I will praise thee. With my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness. And for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. A couple of things here uh, that, that David does when he praises the Lord. I notice first a boldness in declaration. He says that he is going to praise with his whole heart and praise before the gods. Now that idea of gods there, he could be referring to earthly rulers. That word is used for uh, great ones or earthly rulers. It's also used uh, for false gods, whatever it is. David was simply saying that it doesn't matter who's around, I'm going to praise the Lord. 
It doesn't matter if I'm amongst God's people or the heathen people. I'm going to praise the Lord. It doesn't matter if I'm around people who are like me, under me, better than me. I'm going to praise the Lord. In David's declaration, we see a boldness in declaration. We also, we also see a beauty that he's drawn to. He talks about how he will worship toward thy holy temple. His, his heart is drawn towards God in God's dwelling. And David here begins to lay out for us blessings that are hard to describe. He talks about how for God's mercy, his, his grace, and for his truth. He talks about how God has magnified his word above all his name. The idea that God is true to his name, God is true to his word. And in all of it is exceeding abundant above all that we could ask or think. This psalm here, David starts with, a response, and then he begins to list out some reasons. You know, church, tonight I don't, I don't know the context of all of your lives at this moment. Honestly, probably I don't know the full context of anybody's life at this moment. But here's the thing. We all ought to praise him with our whole heart tonight. And I want us to see a couple of things that we can praise him for tonight. Look at verse number 3. David says, in the day when I cried, thou answeredest me, and strengthened me with strength in my soul. Number one tonight, we can praise him with our whole heart for his provision. We can praise him with our whole heart for his provision. David simply says, I cried, and he answered. The testimony of David is in the day when I cried. He answered. You know, church, that's still true for the believer today. And we can praise him with our whole heart because no matter where we find ourselves, the reality is that when we call on him, he will answer. And he will meet all our needs in the day and moment we need them. Our God is always right on time with right what we need. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 37, 25. He wrote, I have been young and now I am old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I love what Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and verse number 19. He said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How many of us tonight are grateful for the provision of God? But here's what I want to point out tonight. God's provision isn't always removal of the problem. Did you notice what David didn't say in the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and took away all my trouble. In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and smotest all of mine enemies with thy wrath from above. In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and... I found a winning lottery ticket on the way home. Because we don't buy them, amen? That's not what David said. He said, in the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. I thank God for his provision, but we got to stop and realize as well that God's provision isn't always removal of the problem. Often it is strengthening us through the problem. 
When David here, he uses the word strengtheneth, that's a wonderful word. It has the idea of to embolden or to empower us, where we don't just kind of slink our way through. We are able by God's grace and God's strength to rise up and face what he has given us to face. How many of us know tonight that when we are weak, he is strong? How many of us tonight have claimed what the Apostle Paul said before, 2 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 7. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure through abundance of revelations that was given to me. Paul describes it as a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Literally the idea of to beat me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. And he said, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength, the Lord said, is made perfect in weakness. But yeah, but Lord, I understand that, but I would really just rather you take it away. Is that what Paul said? He said, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10. Therefore I take, what's that word, church? Pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, the focus of God and his provision for us isn't always simple deliverance. That's typically what my prayer is. God, take the cancer away. God, take the illness away. God, God supply the financial need. God, do this. God, restore this. Rela- my prayer is often for simple deliverance, but God's purpose is often soul development. And so he comes and he renews us. He renews us. Ephesians 3 and verse number 16, Paul said this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He renews us. And how many of us know that when we finally come through, we find that not only did we have what we need, but we have more than we could have hoped for. As Paul develops this thought in Ephesians 3 about being strengthened in our inner man, he talks that we might understand different things. And he comes to verse 20. He says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Church, we ought to praise God with our whole heart for what he's provided. But preacher, he hadn't taken it away. No, but he's provided what you need for you to still be here. You've not been overcome. Praise him. Praise him tonight for what he's provided. David doesn't just mention God's provision. Look with me at verse 4 and 5. He said, All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. They shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Now, I love this. 
And I'm going to try not to park here too, too long. But, but uh, David here, he writes that we ought to praise the Lord with our whole heart, not only, number one, for his provision, but number two, for his plan. For his plan. Think with me about this. God will bring to pass all that he has planned. God will bring to pass all that he has planned. He said of, uh, in the Old Testament of, of, of his plans, Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 26, this is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this, is the, and this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Job said this in Job 23 and verse number 13. But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. Church, tonight you and I can praise him with our whole heart. Because his plan is good. Because his plan is good. I think about what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 in verse number 9. He said, As it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I love what it says in Revelation 21 in verse number 4, that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Church tonight, we look around and we see all that is wrong with the world. And everybody's pointing fingers. It's their fault. It's their fault. No, it's their fault. Honestly, if everybody just look in the mirror, I think we can figure some stuff out. But I digress. It's easy to get discouraged sometimes. It's easy to think, well, it's just so dark in the world. And the spiritual wickedness that's out there is just so oppressive. What's going on? What difference do we make? Can I tell you? Here's the thing. God will bring all he has planned to pass. And we can praise him with our whole heart because his plan is good. You know, everyone is so worried these days. But there is coming a day when all evil will be judged once and for all. You know, people are so worried these days, but there is coming a day when every wrong will be made right. When every knee shall bow. When every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And oh, well, oh what, about, what about Russia and, and, and nuclear war? And what about Iran? I mean, they might get one of them. And North Korea is shooting rockets off everywhere. And what are we going to do? And oh, now we're sending tanks. And oh, the world's going to end. And here's the thing. None of them get to press the button that ends human history. If you want a button that's going to be pressed, the, the trumpet's going to sound. But, but it's not going to be Kim Jong-un or Vladimir Putin. or We get so worried. Well, well what about the conflicts out there? And uh, There's so much, con- the COVID and the flu and the catastrophe, the famines and the fires. And 
no one and nothing can stop God from bringing human history to the close he has planned. Psalm 2. I love Psalm 2. Psalm 2 beginning in verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. (laughs) The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. You see, they cannot challenge They cannot undo what God has decreed. And church, you and I can praise him with our whole heart tonight because his plans will come to pass because his plans are good. And that's good news because you and I are on the winning side. And that's good news because one day he's going to make all things new. Revelation 21 and verse number 5. And I note here the transformation that takes place from a government standpoint. Did you note that? Verse 4. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they shall hear the words of thy mouth. Verse number 5 is even better. Yea, they, speaking of what? The kings and rulers of the earth. What will they do? Uh, uh, Psalm, Psalm 138, verse number 5. Psalm 138, so they can see it. Verse number 5. They, speaking of the rulers, they shall do what? Sing. Isn't that the weirdest picture? I mean, when you picture the rulers of the world, you do. You picture that dude from France, Macron, and, and uh, you got the, the new king in Britain, and you got the dude from China, and the dude from North, and you got Putin, and you got Zelensky, and you got Biden, and you got Pelosi. And I mean, the one thing I can't picture any of those people doing is singing. That's the, I can't picture him singing anything. It's the weirdest picture. But when the Lord returns, and the Lord rules and reigns, I'm going to tell you, the rulers of the earth shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, there's going to come a day when everything's going to change. And we ought to praise God with our whole heart for what he has planned. So church, praise him with our whole heart. David says praise him, number one, for what? His provision. Praise him, number two, for his plan. Look with me, verses 6 and 7. David said, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Though, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. David says, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart for his provision. He strengtheneth me with strength in my soul. David said, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart because of his plan. The kings of the earth are going to sing for the glory of God. David says, number three, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart for his presence. 
God is with us. God is with me. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus promised his followers, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13 and verse number 5, the writer says, Let your conversation or lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's given us his spirit to live within us. Praise God for his presence tonight. Praise him with our whole heart. Because I want you to stop and think, just that statement, God is with me. That is an incredible statement. God is with me is an incredible reality that honestly we take for granted. I mean, when you stop and think about how high and holy our God is. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. Isaiah wrote, in the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. And with twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. By the way, when we find the seraphs in Revelation, at the end of days, so to speak, do you know what they're doing? They're saying, holy, holy, holy. This wasn't a one-off. This wasn't a shift that they were taking. This is what they do. They cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Paul described it in 1 Timothy 1 in verse number 17. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Over in chapter 6, beginning in verse number 15, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. Whom no man hath seen nor can see. To whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. John on the Isle of Patmos when he saw an, a, a vision of the glorified resurrected Christ. The Bible says, and when I saw him, I gave him a high five and said, thank you Jesus. I'm serious folks. We're not going to dance for him. will fall at his feet. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. When I think of how high and holy our God is, the reality of the statement, God is with me, is an incredible statement to make. Can I put it in a different light for you? You couldn't probably get an appointment with the credit union president if you tried. Except for Frank. Frank probably could. I mean, you probably even have a CD there. 
and couldn't get an appointment with the president of the credit union. And yet the high king of heaven has respect unto the lowly. It means that though he is high and holy, yet he sees me. He has taken notice of me. I love how Isaiah puts it, Isaiah 57 and verse 15. This is, one, this is one to mark. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. He said, I dwell in the high and holy place. And with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. He is high and holy, and yet he is near. He is high and holy, and yet he has taken notice of me. He is high and holy, and yet I have his attention. Psalm 103, verse number 13, the Bible says this, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. I mean, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of crazy going on in the world. There's a lot of crazy going on in the world that you would think would dominate God's attention. You know, uh, see the above listed things we mentioned. Russia, Ukraine, COVID, the flu, fire, polar bears, Trump's back on Twitter. I mean, all, all sorts of, I don't know that he is, that's a rumor. I, I just, anyways... There, there are a lot of big things that you think would dominate God's attention. And yet I have his attention. Yeah. He has respect unto the lowly. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of stuff going on that's beyond my pay grade. Like why the sun hasn't just exploded in beyond nuclear fashion and vaporized everything? I don't know. It's above my pay grade. You would think he would have a lot of big picture things. And yet, I have his attention. It goes a little, it goes a little further. And this is what I want us to see tonight. This is, I'm going to tell you, praise him with our whole heart. Because I'm not, I don't just have his attention. He is attentive to me. Did you see what it said in verse number 7? Though I, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou wilt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. He, I don't just have his attention. It's, it's one thing to have somebody's attention. It is another thing entirely for them to be attentive to you. And Christian, I don't just have his attention. He is attentive to me. He sustains me. He protects me. I have the privilege each day of choosing to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to tell you folks, that's backwards. Typically, the lesser serves the greater. And yet in this case, he is far more attentive to me than I could ever be of him. Oh, church, that we would praise him with our whole heart. For his presence in our lives. Almost done. David said, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart. Number one, for his provision. provision. Why? Because he strengtheneth me with strength in my soul. David said, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart. Why? Number two, because of his plan. Why? He's even going to have the kings of the earth singing of his glory.
David said, I'm going to praise him with my whole heart, number three, because of his presence. Though he be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. One more, and we're done. Verse number eight. David says, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. We see number one is provision. Number two is plan. Number three, his presence. Number four, if you would, his pledge. His pledge, his promise. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth Aren't you grateful tonight that the Lord has pledged to bring to completion what he has planned concerning me? Philippians 1 and verse number 6 in the New Testament is put this way, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We see similar Ephesians 2 in verse number 10 where the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath foreordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. Philippians 2 in verse number 13 speaks of that, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Romans 8 beginning in verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Why? For whom he did foreknow them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Aren't you glad that the Lord has pledged to bring to completion all that he has planned concerning us? It's a done deal. As we saw Sunday morning, confirmed to the end, legally How could I not praise him with my whole heart? We see here the mercy referring to the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the faithfulness of God. His mercy endureth forever. People may give up on you, but God will not. People may walk out on you, but God will not. Lee, that's why we go. Mark, that's why we come every Friday night. John and Tammy, that's why we come to Sunday school every Sunday morning. Because his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness endures forever. Endures forever. I love the prayer at the end. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. You know, as we talk about his pledge to us, i got to ask the question, do you really believe that he doesn't throw the clay away? Do you really believe that he's good for his word? I mentioned it before, others will fail, others will walk away, but God does not. 
And the beauty of the way the Lord does things is that even, even sometimes when it feels like our life has been reduced to ashes, that in the ashes we find that He is still with us. And we find that even among the ashes He is able to restore beauty in our lives once again. And you know, I think we'd do well if we would learn to, I'd put it this way, appreciate the ride. We learn to appreciate the ride. You know, sometimes we say you can't have the product without the process, and, you know, we got to have that. But, but we got to learn to just appreciate. God knows what he's doing. God's doing work. And so let's just learn to appreciate what the Lord is doing. I don't always understand it, and I don't always like it, and I don't always know where we're headed. So we haven't gone. Uh, we went one, once last year, Cedar Point. You do the roller coaster thing, right? My kids, they always have the same reaction every year. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. I don't, I don't want this. We start going up the hill. Daddy, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Every year, every year we go through this. Eventually we get warmed up, but every year. I don't like this. And I'm like, it's all right. Open your eyes. It's all right. Put your hands up. It's all right. Just I don't like this. Make them stop. We're not going to stop. We need to be quiet. We're not going to stop. And we go up and we go down and then we flip and all this. And by the end of it, what are they doing? Why? Because roller coasters are not meant to kill you. They're meant to thrill you. Some of you holding on acting like God's trying to kill you. I like this. I like this. I like this. I like this. Here's the thing. He knows what he's doing. And maybe if we stopped and recognized he's in control... He has promised to bring to perfection all that He has planned for us. The work that He has begun, that He will, he will do it until the day of the Lord. He, that, that Faithful is He that called you that also will do it. We see His pledge. We see His promise. Some of us need to realize He's not trying to kill you. And here's the thing. When you realize He's not trying to kill you, I'm going to tell you, there's a thrill to life. And I think we would find, maybe we would find some of that long lost joy. That we hadn't experienced in a long time. Hey church, tonight we can praise him with our whole heart. For his pledge to us. For his provision. Praise him with your whole heart. For his plan. Praise him with your whole heart. For his presence. Play, praise him with your whole heart. For his pledge. Praise him with your whole heart. So tonight, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take some time. And we're just going to praise him. In just a moment, the musician's going to come, and we're going to have a time of invitation. And you know, honestly, tonight, some of us, some of us do. Some of us, the Holy Spirit's been working on us, and we need to adjust our vision. Our vision is on all that is wrong and not on him. And so some of us tonight, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help adjust our vision from the world, from the problems, from our stressors, from ourselves, and to put our focus on Jesus I'm going to tell you, no matter what your context tonight, the content of our heart should be united.
that we praise him with our whole heart because church, he is worthy.